If art really does offer a reflection of the human condition, then it is worth pointing out the frequency with which its innovations shatter conventions. Just when it appears that things are getting too familiar, along comes a set of artists who find not just new topics to explore, but new modes of expression. In poetry, for instance, you have Allen Ginsberg's Howl. That 1955 epic led the charge of writers from the Beat Generation who forever changed the direction of American literature. Similarly, where would stand-up comedy be without the likes of Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor? And James Brown? Would we ever have had disco, funk or hip-hop without the hardest working man in show business? Now let's look at British cinema. Perhaps it was to do with its imperial past, or indeed its obsession with class structure. But over the decades, British cinema seemed to be more intent on maintaining the status quo and less interested in cinematic innovation and social change. Of course, there were some exceptions. Alfred Hitchcock, Michael Powell, Lindsay Anderson and Ken Loach. But by the 1980s, for the most part, the image of the UK that British cinema sold to the rest of the world was of a land populated by people with posh accents living in the past. In a phrase, heritage cinema. So when in 1996, train spotting came along, it was like, well, a shot in the arm. Of course, there were some hard-hitting British films in the early 1990s. Riff Raff, Naked and Raining Stones. But they were all social realism. Trainspotting took a shot of social realism and mixed it with a near-fatal dose of fantasy to give us social surrealism. Its arrival coincided with Cool Britannia. But what made sure that it survived that faddish phase was the fact that it was never really part of it. Adapted from a novel by a Scot called Welsh, directed by a Mancunian and set in the 1980s Edinburgh, desiccated by a heroin epidemic, it was everything that Cool Britannia was not. Instead of Britpop's cheeky and chirpy optimism, what train spotting served up was youthful faces being flushed down the toilet. It's shite being Scottish! For the lowest of the low! The scum of the fucking earth! The most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shot into civilization! Some people hate the English, I don't! They're just wankers! We, on the other hand, are colonized by wankers! Can't even find a decent culture to be colonized by! We're ruled by a few assholes! It's a shite state of affairs to be in, Tommy, and all the fresh air in the world won't make any fucking difference! Now, I mentioned the likes of Allen Ginsberg, Lenny Bruce and James Brown for a reason. They were all, at various points in their careers, accused of obscenity. Ginsberg and Bruce were actually taken to court, but they eventually won out when the juries realised that all they were doing was holding up a mirror and letting the public take an honest look at themselves. Likewise, train spotting was initially accused of not only glamorising, but actually promoting drug use. Never again, Swanee, I'm off the skag. Are you serious? Yeah, no more, I'm finished with that shite. You know, it's up to you, man. Gonna do it right this time, gonna get it sorted out, get off it for good. I'm sure I've heard that one before. The sick boy method. Oh, they really worked for him, eh? 
Well, he's always been lacking in moral fibre. He knows a lot about Sean Connery. That's hardly a substitute. Train Spotting was directed by Danny Boyle, who began his career in theatre and television. But for this, just his second feature film, he exercised a magnetic style that drew the audience into the otherwise very alien world of heroin use. Swanee taught us to adore and respect the National Health Service, for it was the source of much of our gear. We stole drugs, we stole prescriptions, or bought them, sold them, swapped them, forged them, photocopied them, or traded drugs with cancer victims, alcoholics, old age pensioners, AIDS patients, epileptics, and bored housewives. We took morphine, diamorphine, cyclazine, codeine, tamazepam, nitrazepam, phenobarbital, sodium amytal, dextropapoxithine, methadone, nalbefruit, pethidine, pentazacine, buprenorphine, dextromoramide, chlormethizol. The streets are awash with drugs you can have for unhappiness and pain, and we took them all. Fuck it, we would have injected vitamin C if only they'd made it illegal. Boyle imposed a visual style that placed the camera at an angle strictly perpendicular to a wall and then positioned his characters in the centre of the screen. So with the assistance of his director of photography, Brian Tufano, Boyle created a very strong sense of geometry, strong lines structuring the image. Vertical, horizontal, angular, it is all there to present rectangles. Of course, Boyle does move the camera, just look at the opening sequence. But for other movement, he relied heavily on editor Masahiro Hirokubo. Hirokubo generated very sharp, unmotivated cuts, punching in abruptly from a wide shot to a close-up. The sudden rearrangement of the space adds for great visual energy, and of course the speed of the story, with its voiceover and pop songs, makes sure that the pace is relentless. Excuse me, excuse me, I don't mean to rush you, but I was very impressed with the capable and stylish manner which you dealt with that situation. And I was thinking to myself, now this girl's special. Thanks. What's your name? Diane. Where are you going, Diane? I'm going home. Well, what's that? It's where they live. Great. What? Well, I'll come back with you if you like, but like, I'm not promising anything, you know? Do you find that this approach usually works? Or let me guess, you've never tried it before? In fact, you don't normally approach girls, am I right? The truth is that you're a quiet, sensitive type, but if I'm prepared to take a chance, I might just get to know the inner you. Witty, adventurous, passionate, loving, loyal. Taxi! A little bit crazy, a little bit bad, but hey, don't us girls just love that? Hey. Well, what's wrong, boy? Can't got your tongue. Well, uh, something. You getting in a Besides its relentless drive, the thing that strikes me the most about train spotting is its narrative structure. Irvin Welch's book is a veritable index of literary devices. Third person narration, stream of consciousness, inner monologues, and that is not to mention entire chapters spelled phonetically, so you get an ear for the Edinburgh accent. For the script, screenwriter John Hodge whittled all that down to an overriding narrator, Mark Renton, while affording vignettes from two other characters, namely Begbie and Tommy. But where cinematographer Brian Tufano's visual structure is rectangular, John Hodge's structure goes for a different geometric shape, and that fusion only adds to the already heady chemical mix. The film is comparatively linear. I say comparatively, 
because in the opening, while we see Renton being chased down Edinburgh's Prince Street, we hear him delivering his instantly iconic... Choose life, choose a job, choose a career, choose a family, choose a fucking big television, choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. But because of Hodge's elliptically structured screenplay, the event we are actually seeing takes place later in the film. Then, Renton is being chased by security guards because he's been out shoplifting. He is eventually caught and brought to court. That all happens in the film's second act. But then, when the film reaches its dramatic climax in London, when Mark steals the money from his so-called mates, he walks out across Waterloo Bridge and delivers a variation of his opening monologue. I'm going to be just like you. The job, the family, the fucking big television, the washing machine, the car, the compact disc and an electrical tin opener, good health, low cholesterol, dental insurance, mortgage, starter home, leisure wear, luggage, three-piece suite, DIY, game shorts, junk food, children, walks in the park, nine to five, good at golf, washing the car, choice of sweaters, family Christmas, index pension, tax exemption, clearing the gutters, getting by, looking ahead, the day you die. So, rather than being strictly linear, what we see at the beginning returns in the middle, and what we hear at the end is a recapitulation of what we heard at the start. In other words, while the film's visual design is rectangular, its script structure is circular, and it leads us round and around and around, just like your bloodstream. 